UFC 298 is mere minutes away from kicking off, and we have a 12-fight card ahead of us. I got a lot of action on this card, so I'm very much looking forward to every single fight that we have coming up, and I do appreciate all of you watching this immediate reaction show. Now, just a reminder, this is a show where I put together all the clips of my immediate reaction for every single matchup. So as soon as the post-fight interview of every single fight is done or the official decision is read, I go on camera, I give my unfiltered and quick thoughts, and then we cover the best props that hit for every single matchup as well. It's meant to be an informative and opinion-based uh, segment here. So uh, make sure you guys drop a comment below uh, if you disagree with any of the takes that I had immediately following every single matchup. And let me know what you guys think. And hopefully you guys were able to cash in on some of these big props that we're going to be speaking about. Drop the comment below if you were one of them as well. All right. We got the first fight coming right up. So let's get right into it. It was a sticky start from Miranda Maverick as Andrea Lee landed a beautiful over or belly to back suplex it seemed like but Maverick was able to bounce back. She won the rest of that round and then went on to win the rest of the fight picking up a unanimous decision victory like I said over Andrea Lee. Now Miranda Maverick only 26 years old and I thought John Anik hit it on the head perfectly. She has a ton of high level experience so early in her career that it leads a lot of people to believe that she still has a ton to to achieve moving forward you got to think of you know this might be giving her too high of a praise or too high of a ceiling but you got to think of guys like max holloway and charles Oliveira, who had a very tumultuous run to start off their ufc career but now are seen as one of the best guys in their divisions miranda maverick has all the time in the world has a great training crew as well to continue to progress her moving forward and i think that her skill set is very much improving and i look forward to seeing what the ufc matches her up with next beautiful timing on her strikes changing off the location of her strikes keeping Andrea Lee thinking about what's happening next and then perfect entries on her takedowns beautiful performance from Maverick and uh yeah I, I love everything about her and I can't wait to see what they match her up with next let's see the odds that cast here Miranda Maverick obviously the favorite coming in at minus 185 hits that ticket by decision at plus 120 and then the over two and a half chalky as hell as you would expect for most women's MMA fights minus 350 Again, very impressed with Miranda Maverick here, but a ton more fights to go. Let's see how this next one shakes out. After an early scare from the power of Val Woodburn, it was ultimately Oban Elliott's grappling and wrestling that was able to get him the win in this spot. There were some spots where I felt like he could have postured up and rained down a little bit more damage to possibly get the stoppage, but Woodburn was doing just enough to stay safe enough that the referee did not stop the fight. There was obviously attempts for a rear naked choke from Elliott, but it just seemed like he was not able to get the angle that he wanted, nor could he get under the chin of Val Woodburn. And even Michael Bisping kind of joked the fact that it doesn't even look like Woodburn has a neck considering how uh, stacked this guy is. But uh, good performance from Elliott. This is what he should have done considering the, the how big of a favorite that he came in as. Uh, but, you know, Val Woodburn is going to be a bottom of the barrel guy uh, and he's only going to be facing better guys moving forward so good performance from uh, Oban Elliott but I still need to see more from him if I uh, or if he hopes to make it into the rankings and try to start uh, moving on through this welterweight division all right let's check out the odds that cashed here 
Elliott, obviously a heavy favorite here, minus 335. He goes out there and cashes with relative ease. Uh, by decision, plus 250, over 2.5, plus 140. A lot of people expected this fight to finish inside the distance, myself included. I was a little bit invested in the round two, round three submission props for Elliott, but once we saw that he was unable to get that choke anywhere close in the first round and a half or so, I'm like, all right, I guess I got to rip off these tickets as Woodburn's not going to go out there that easily. I was hoping maybe we could see different types of submission attempts from Elliot, maybe uh arm triangle choke it seemed like he was kind of working for that in the third round when he had the uh the top control uh the full mount but uh, he was unable to get anything uh significant there uh Woodburn did a good enough job in terms of staying alive and you know good god what was Woodburn thinking uh in terms of grappling as much as he did in the last minute and a half of that fight when he finally got back to his feet and you know it just seemed like he needed to throw and for some reason he was thinking of landing a takedown he got a little bit of a takedown got Elliot down to a knee but for some reason was just content with grappling and Elliot in his head is probably just like hey let's do it let's grapple you know what I mean your only way of beating me right now is knocking me out and you're not you're not going to knock me out when you're trying to take me down so um uh, Woodburn's corner visibly angry visibly pissed off at him uh you know I know you're on empty here but it's uh you got to give yourself a chance to win and Woodburn definitely did not give himself himself a chance to win with how we approached that fight in the last minute or so of it but ultimately it is Oban Elliott who gets his hand raised here by unanimous decision Danny Barlow put on a smooth performance through the first two and a half rounds of this fight and then finally found the finish roughly halfway through that third round over Josh Quinlan by knockout. Barlow showcased his discipline and technical advantages and his ability to maintain range and utilize his speed, accuracy, and power to hurt his opponents from distance. Now, we know Josh Quinlan is a power puncher, but a lot of people expected him to go out there and utilize his wrestling here to try to exploit his BJJ black belt. However, the lone takedown attempt that Quinlan uh, tried, uh, Barlow snuffed that out immediately and didn't allow Quinlan to get nearly anywhere close to that takedown being completed and we are just back to the uh the striking style of Barlow that allowed him to pick apart Quinlan and then eventually find the finish in that final frame it was a beautiful spectacular performance for this young prospect he has some things that he still needs to fix I feel there are some striking defense things that he can shore up like he's doing a great job in terms of utilizing his footwork to get in and out of range of his opponent but if his opponents continue to put punches together and move forward a la Chris Weidman, Anderson Silva style, where they're able to just cover, uh, you know, distract with throwing punches, but also moving forward, that could potentially catch Barlow, especially with how high he ends up keeping his chin. But for a first UFC fight, this was a spectacular performance for the Memphis, Tennessee's Danny Barlow. Let's look at the odds that cashed here. Barlow, minus 205, continues the... Uh, the favorites cashing on the night that's three three in a row now by knockout plus 145 round three plus 850 and then round three buying knockout plus 1000 and the total was also set at one and a half that cashes on the over at minus 145 again very impressed with Danny Barlow he was the lock of the night prediction as well so it makes it oh so sweet to cash that aspect of it but I was very impressed with his performance and look forward to seeing who they match him up with next Danny Barlow by round three knockout. 
It did not take long for the big boys to start going. And after some big shots landed by Brendan Hebedo in the first minute or so, it was Ming Yang who was eventually able to get the final laugh there as he floored Hebedo, followed up with a couple big shots and got the stoppage. The fight only lasted about 73 seconds, if I'm not mistaken. Big win for Ming Yang, especially after having such an extended layoff and showcasing why he's so fun to watch because he just loves throwing down in the pocket. This guy's chin is insane but I must say I was kind of discouraged by Hibero's lack of ability to try to take this fight to the ground but it's hard to blame the guy considering how much success he was having with landing those straight shots down the pipe and how heavily he was hitting those as well but it was just a matter of time before Ming Yang was like fuck it let's start throwing back in return and that's exactly what he was able to do and did it successfully earning that first round knockout it was a fun fight and it was more than likely going to go under one and a half rounds which is why it was so chalky so let's check out what the odds that cast were we had Ming Yang coming in at minus 130 by knockout plus 140 round one plus 155 round one by knockout plus 210 and then the under one and a half like I said chalky as hell minus 320 these big boys delivered on being one of the more entertaining fights thus far. Great win for Ming Yang. Let's see if he can stay more active now and try to assert himself in the light heavyweight picture. There wasn't a whole lot of damage landed, but Nakamura did a great job in terms of staying out of the submission attempts of Carlos Vera, as it seemed that was the only way Vera was looking to win this fight. Nakamura goes out there and wins a unanimous decision victory, 30-27s on all three scorecards. Now, Nakamura is still one of the most brightest prospects that we have in the UFC, and there's a reason he came in as a minus 1,300 favorite. His wrestling is his bread and butter, as he has competed at an Olympic level in the past but his striking is obviously getting better as well where we've seen him knock opponents out in the past but this one in this matchup specifically he was having to deal with the unorthodox nature of Carlos Vera who Joe continuously kept pointing to was a Ryan Hall prodigy and we know what kind of jujitsu those types of guys bring to the table but it was great work from Nakamura in terms of staying out of those positions again it may not have been the most entertaining in terms of damage being dished out but I did find some uh, some fun in the constant scrambles and seeing if Nakamura was going to be able to stay a step ahead of what Carlos Vera was throwing at him but regardless good performance um, a decent performance from Nakamura there but uh, if he wants to win some fans over he's gonna have to go back to his finishing ways and we'll see how the UFC matches him up next he was originally scheduled to fight Brady he stand I would love to see that fight get uh, put together here he stands a decent wrestler in his own right probably not Nakamura's level but would definitely give him more of a a battle than what Carlos Vera ended up giving here all right let's check out what the odds that cast were here again Nakamura heavy heavy favorite here minus 1500 by decision plus 200 and the over one and a half caches at minus 120 good performance from Nakamura Vera was a nonsensical signing in my opinion he was on the most recent uh, season of the ultimate fighter came up short in the first or the opening round of that show against Brad Katona and for some reason still ends up getting a call to the UFC 36 years old this is not the type of guy that the UFC should be bringing in here um, you know no disrespect to Carlos Vera but you were given your opportunity you did not pass your opportunity and now you're just going to come out here and flip-flop all over the place not a good look in my opinion but good one for Nakamura gets back uh, continues his undefeated run as a professional let's see if he can keep it going in his next fight 
Rogerio de Lima goes out there and chops down Justin Toffa, eventually getting the second round finish by calf kicks and followed up with a couple ground and pound strikes just to convince the referee that the fight should have been stopped. But all props go out to Junior Toffa. Uh, did I say Justin Toffa earlier? I meant Junior. Because he stepped in for Justin Toffa on a day's notice. Uh, brilliant move by Toffa there, the younger brother, to step in, make a paycheck real quick. Uh, unfortunate that he will likely not be able to walk for the next couple days, but at least Delima gets to get in there, earn a paycheck, earn a double paycheck, obviously, getting his win bonus as well. But, uh, you know, that's the type of approach you would expect from Delima. Either rely heavily on the calf kicks, which he is so good at implementing because of the thudding power in which he lands with, or going out there and try to get his grappling going where he's very strong from that top position and you know, uh, especially against guys that are not as well trained in the grappling realm as Junior Taffa is. I don't understand what the love is for Taffa. You know, even in the Parker Porter fight, I thought he got away with a pretty blatant fence grab when Porter was in on a deep takedown attempt, and that allowed him to keep the fight upright and eventually get the TKO over Porter. But I don't think that Junior Taffa has long left in the UFC. I think his brother is far superior to him. And I hope that they end up putting this fight back together again with DeLima and Justin Taffa, as that would be way more intriguing. And the line had even uh, showed us that as well with, you know, DeLima being closer to minus 245 against Junior. And I think it was... Uh, mid one minus 150s if i'm not mistaken against justin taffa so let's see if they line that match up again but good win for delima going out there sticking to the basics and getting his hand raised let's check out the odds that hit here delima money line minus 225 so maybe a little bit of buyback on junior before the fight actually went down but still minus 225 entrenched as a solid favorite cashes the ticket there by knockout plus 145 round two plus 430 round two by knockout plus 700, and then under one and a half at minus 175. Good win for DeLima. Let's see if they put him back against the other Tafa brother and see if that we can get that uh, to go down in the next couple months, depending on the severity of the knee injury that Justin suffered that pulled him out of this matchup. But regardless, good win for DeLima to go out there and do what he should have done. It ended up being a closer fight than most people expected, especially with the amount of times that Dern was able to get this fight into the grappling realm. But it was ultimately Amanda Lemos who gets her hand raised by a unanimous decision, clearly doing enough work in the first and second round, I believe it was. The second round probably could have even been a 10-8, considering how close, maybe two or three punches away from finishing Mackenzie Dern. But regardless... Props to Lemos for defending and staying safe enough in those spots where it seemed like Dern was getting close to getting some submission opportunities. Dern seemed like she really wanted out of there in the second round when she flopped to her back. Well, not she got dropped, clearly dropped in that fight. And it just seemed from her facial expression that she just did not like what she got hit with. But she still fought through that adversity and still managed to end up in top position in that second round, even though there was only about 20 seconds left. But Lemos stuck to the game plan, stayed safe in those bad positions in the grappling room and was still able to get her hand raised by landing the more damaging blows in this fight. I thought it was correctly scored. I thought it was first round and second round for Lemos. Third round, 
clearly for Dern, but good word for Lemos to uh, once again go out there and win a fight by decision, something that a lot of people don't believe that she's capable of doing, but she somehow manages to get it done. All right, let's check out the odds that cash here. Lemos closed at minus 140. She cashes as the favorite, plus 340 by decision. Some big money there, as a lot of people thought that she would win by knockout if she won at all. And then the over two and a half. Not often you see women's MMA coming in at plus money, but the over two and a half cashes at plus 115. Good win for Amanda Lemos. She said she wants Tatiana Suarez next. I don't know if that would be the right move for her, but we'll see if they're able to match those two up as Suarez is likely the uncrowned champion of this division. And considering that Lemos had previously just fought for the title, I guess that should be the next fight for Suarez as she tries to uh, go out there and try to uh, secure a title shot of her own. But tonight was Amanda Lemos's night as she picks up the unanimous decision victory over Mackenzie Dern. Anthony Fluffy Hernandez goes out there and utilizes his patented approach with swarming, overwhelming, and pressuring his opponent. And he is eventually able to sink in a second round rear naked choke over Roman Kopilov. Now, I saw some love for Kopilov out there, and I'm never going to hate on people for trying to take a big plus money number, especially if they've done the research, they've done the work, and they feel confident in that spot but this is a fight where a lot of people are reading into the fact that Kopilov has been training in Dagestan over the last couple of years and just expect the wrestling to just rub off on him sure it helped him with the first couple takedown attempts that Hernandez had but that's Hernandez's style he doesn't need the first second third or fourth takedown attempt to be complete for him to have success it's just staying in his opponent's face forcing his opponent to work and then eventually those takedowns will come to him and then he can secure the submission TKO whatever he does but that's how he breaks his opponents I had no doubt that Kopilov was going to be able to shuck off the first couple takedowns but it's just been his you can see it in his fights even in the ones that he's winning fights that have a little bit of a pace to them he starts to slow down in the second and third rounds and luckily for him his last couple fights were against opponents that were unable to take advantage of that but Hernandez is the antithesis of a guy that goes out there and just breaks opponents and can just just drown them and that's exactly what he was able to do very happy with Hernandez's performance here and just like John Anik screamed after that give this man a fight night main event this guy is worthy of it he's a very high level fighter and the fact that he's continuing to improve his striking defense and then he can go out there and use his pressure style. This guy's going to be very difficult to deal with. There's reason he was a highly touted prospect coming from the LFA scene. And now it's great to see him finally just, you know, being active and being successful at this level. So great win for Fluffy Hernandez there. Let's check out the odds that cashed Hernandez. Minus 240 favorite. He was always going to... It was always going to be Hernandez, let's put it that way. By submission, plus 195. Round two, plus 400. Round two, by submission, plus 650. And the over and one and a half caches by a minute and 20 seconds, I believe it was, uh, at minus 150. Big win for Hernandez on a big spotlight and platform as well as the curtain jerker for UFC 298. I can't wait to see who they match him up with next. 
give him Hermanson. Give him give him Joe Pfeiffer even. I don't care who it is, but Hernandez deserves to step up in competition and deserves to start working through the rankings. He's number 15 right now, knocked off an unranked guy. Let's see him get him get somebody in that top 10 range and he can start moving towards that middleweight title shot, something I believe he is fully capable of doing. Marab Devalishvili has cemented himself as the number one contender for the next bantamweight title fight. Obviously, we got Sean O'Malley going up against Marlon Vera next month, but it's clear that Philly is the one getting the next shot. Joe Rogan announced it in the cage, but um, we know this stuff. We, you know, Unless there's pen to paper, we can't 100% guarantee that that's what's going to happen, but there's no other clear number one contender. Philly has defeated Jose Aldo, Piotr Jan, Henry Cejudo, uh, you know, Aljamain Sterling is the only other guy, but they're brothers pretty much, so they're not going to fight each other. Devalishvili will be next. He goes out there and defeats Henry Suhudo. I believe it was 29-28 all around. Suhudo won the first round after just getting that top position. But after that, Devalishvili was able to pick it up and really put the pedal to the metal and showcase the classic Devalishvili style. He was having fun while doing it, talking to Mark Zuckerberg the entire time. And even whoever was willing to listen to him, Kate said, when he had a comfortable position against Suhudo, he starts talking. Uh, I love it. I love it. Everything about Devalishvili, seeing him go from being a guy that people disliked because of his grinding style where he wasn't really finishing anybody to becoming a personality on social media with the fun uh you know uh, segments and skits and and videos that he's been dropping absolutely hilarious stuff and it's been awesome to see him rise to this occasion and now likely one fight away again like i said his next fight should be for the title uh let's quickly talk about suhudo clearly injured his arm uh I, i don't recall at what point in this fight but you could see it blown up in the last round there that probably had to do a lot with the fact that he was unable to get much off in that third round, which it seemed it came down to. Uh, but it seems like Devalish really was just going to be too much for him, regardless of that injury or not. Suhudo made a dire mistake retiring back in 2020. When he did, he should have kept going. He was in the flow. He was in his prime. He sat on the shelf for a couple of years, and now we see it. He's 0-2 upon his return and likely will be hanging up the gloves once again and just leaving a, not a, a stain on his legacy by any means, but just a a little bit of a flaw in the fact that he just he came back a little bit too late. It was very unfortunate. All right, let's quickly look at the odds that Castro Devalishvili money line minus 270. Now I got in on this at minus 175 at the beginning of the week. A ton of love coming in on Devalishvili throughout fight week. There were some rumors about uh, Suhudo dealing with some sort of injury going into this fight. That probably had to do with the huge line shift here, but people love Devalishvili and he's quite reliable as well and he cashes for us there. By decision, minus 140. That's always the way Devalishvili wins, so it makes sense why I was chalky there. And then the over 2.5, minus 360. Not a whole lot lot of ways that you could have extracted a lot of profit from this fight unless you parlayed Devalish Fili or you just laid the hammer on his money line there but very happy that Devalish Fili got the win the way that he did he might go down as one of the best bantamweights ever the fight that I am looking forward to the most though is going to be Devalishvili against Umar Nurmagomedov. Nurmagomedov is unable to get any anybody to fight him. Uh, he's being forced to take a sh- uh, a newcomer, a 17-1, and I believe is the record, of Bekzat Almakan, who just got signed to the UFC for the sole purpose of fighting Umar Nurmagomedov on March 2nd. So if Nurmagomedov is able to get past him, 
I don't know. I, I, I That is going to be the fight. Those are the two best bantamweights on the planet right now. Sean O'Malley obviously has his knockout power, but skill for skill, Navajvili, Nurmagomedov, blow Sean O'Malley out of the water. I hope he eventually get to see that fight. And hopefully somebody agrees to fight Nurmagomedov. The guy needs a fight so that he can advance closer to the title, which is ultimately where he deserves to be. But on this night, Marab Davalashvili goes out there and takes out another former champion and wins this fight by unanimous decision. It goes to a split decision, but Ian Machado Gary keeps his undefeated record intact by defeating Jeff Neal. It was a close fight with the first and second round being just pretty much decided by razor-thin margins, in my opinion. I thought Jeff Neal did a great job in terms of crashing the pocket and getting off decent damage in the clinch, although I would have wanted to expect a little bit more from him in those spots just to make the most of it. He got the control, get a little bit more damage to make it look good enough for the judges. But Machado Gary did good enough on two judges' scorecards to get all three rounds as he was doing enough damage from range with his kicks, with his knees, and with his long-range weapons as Neil was struggling to really crash that pocket and get off on his own offense. It seems like this... this version of Neil that we've been getting since uh, he returned from that uh, the disease or whatever it was that really roughed him up and and has has deterred him from his career uh, it really seems to be messing with him right like this is a uh, another unfortunate loss for him him at his best probably gives Ian Machado Gary a very rough night but uh, it seemed like Neil was really starting to slow down in the latter half of this matchup and I think that had a lot to do with uh, you know Gary doing a great job in terms of picking him apart from distance and really touching up the body as well to slow down Neil so um, good win for Gary this was his toughest opponent to date he goes out there and calls out Colby Covington uh, which I think is a great matchup in terms of uh, asserting Machado up into that top five top 10 of the division I believe Jeff Neal was number eight Gary was number 10 <clears throat> excuse me uh, so, you know, fighting a guy like Covington, I don't know if Covington would want that fight, if I'm being honest. At this stage in his career, he's probably just looking for those guys that are, you know, title contenders or a guy that will get him a title shot if he gets his win. Um, yeah, very, very solid call out for Gary. Don't get me wrong. Obviously, there's a lot of back and forth going down with these guys, uh, given the whole Gary situation and Colby just always being on the front foot like he is with his trash talk. Um, but yeah, I, I wouldn't mind seeing that fight. Let's check out the odds that cast here. Gary, obviously a favorite, minus 245 cashes there by decision, plus 145. Not a bad spot for him there either. And then over two and a half, minus 140. Solid, uh, you know, solid win for Gary. Solid experience. You know, this was a fight that will give him a lot of experience moving forward as he fights tougher competition. It's going to be tough to see what comes next for Jeff Neal, but yeah, it's it was disheartening to see as a Neal fan and as a Neal backer, but good win for Gary to go out there and get the split decision. What a war the co-main event was, but ultimately it was Robert Whitaker getting his hand raised by unanimous decision. We had two 29-28s and one 30-27. One of the judges clearly thinking that big spinning heel kick that Paulo Costa landed at the ending of the first round was not enough to nullify all the work that Whitaker did in the four minutes and 45 minutes, or four minutes and 45 seconds that led up to that big seminal moment for Costa. But great win for Whitaker. We did see an aggressive version of him 
which is something that he was hoping to showcase this time around. And a lot of people thought that would have been a bad move for him, especially going up against a power puncher like Paulo Costa. But Whitaker showcased solid durability. He had a very good game plan in terms of attacking the lead leg of Paulo Costa. And whenever Costa was off balance from eating that shot, he would follow up with a couple lead hand shots, whether it was a jab or a lead hook. But it was great work from Robert Whitaker. Seeing that patented in and out movement, that blitzing style of striking that he employs more often than not, it was a treat to see. Makes you believe that Whitaker is still in his prime and capable of going out there and winning, winning the middleweight title uh, on any given night. It's obvious that he has the title in his sights next time around. Jukis Duplessis obviously has the potential Israel Adesanya fight out there as well, but it seems like there's going to be a love triangle between those guys to determine who deserves the next shot. And obviously Hamza Shmaev is always out there as well, uh, but he just needs to get a little bit more active and decide whether he wants to fight at welterweight or at middleweight seeming how, how how badly he missed welterweight last time around you got to believe he wants to fight at middleweight Bo Nickel is obviously out there waiting to make a name for himself working through the ranks but it's obvious that Robert Bobby Knuckles Whitaker is still looking to go out there and get that gold around his waist all right let's look at the odds that cast here Whitaker came in as the favorite minus 230 that is now uh, favorites pretty much have swept the card. We'll see what happens in the main event here, obviously, with uh, Tuporia coming in as the slight dog. But uh, favorites have swept the board pretty much. Uh, Mackenzie Dern was the closest in terms of uh, pulling off the upset there against Amanda Lemos, but that was not to be. All right, back to Whitaker, money line, minus 230 caches, via decision, plus 125, and over 2.5 at minus 160. Again, very impressive performance from Robert Whitaker. Very much looking forward to seeing how they match him up moving forward. And uh, yeah, Paulo Costa showcases that he still has some fight left in him. Let's see if he can be a little bit more active and if that allows him to be more successful the next time he steps inside the cage. But tonight, it was the Reaper's night as Robert Whitaker picked up the unanimous decision victory. The featherweight division has a new champion as Ilya Taporia goes out there and knocks out former kingpin Alexander Volkanovsky. It was a competitive first round, which all three judges scored in favor of Volkanovsky, but it did not matter as just over the halfway point of the second round, Tuporia was able to uh, pretty much uh, corral Volkanovsky up against the cage and he just threw combinations and just kept adding adding punches and eventually it was that big right hook that landed cleanly on Volkanovsky shutting his lights out completely it was a very unfortunate sight to see for Volkanovsky who has been such a great champion long reigning champion of this featherweight division and has been seen as the consensus number one featherweight of all time but Tuporia undefeated goes out there and showcases his knockout power once again. It's been a treat to see Taporia rise through the ranks. I've been following the guy since his Cage Warriors day where he pulled off a first-round submission victory over Brian Bouland and then eventually worked his way to the UFC and got this shot. On the regional scene, he was making a name for himself with just his grappling, but since coming to the UFC, he has put together tremendous combination striking, which has ultimately resulted in him getting his hand raised by knockout more often than not but it was a tremendous uh patience and poise that Tuporia showed especially at his age he's 26 27 years old let me just quickly confirm the age here real quick but still very young yeah 27 years old he just turned 27 less than a month ago 
and he goes out there and just flatlines Volkanovski like that. Um, big win, obviously champion now, uh, holds all the cards uh, in his hand. He's going to want to get paid. Uh, the UFC obviously wants to go to Spain now uh, to try to get Toporia to defend his title over there. And this kid could be the next champion for a very long time. It's going to be tough to defeat him, especially if you're unable to stay away from that knockout power, but also his high-level BJJ once fights hit the mat as well. So... Big win for Taporia. Unfortunate loss for Volkanovski. The the that narrative going into this matchup, right? The the under 170 pounds uh, champions, older than 36 or whatever it is, are now one in 21, one in 22. Absolutely crazy statistic. And again, I, I thought if there was going to be any exception to that rule, it's a guy like Volkanovski, and he had a decent start, but it was just a matter of time before Taporia was able to land that big shot and put his lights out crazy now you got to wonder who's next in the featherweight division i think a guy like volkanovsky who has held the title for as long as he has had and had as dominant performances as he's had deserves an immediate rematch but there's such finality to that knockout that Taporia landed that i don't know if Taporia will be like you know what let's give this guy another shot you got max holloway who's fighting uh justin gaethje at ufc 300 at 155 pounds um yeah, it's it's weird. It's it's very tough who uh, Taporia should get next. Maybe he holds out for a money fight. Like maybe Connor ends up taking the fight. I highly doubt it. It won't take place at 145 pounds, that's for sure. But I would like to see Taporia defend the title a couple times before uh, he ends up taking these money fights. We'll see how it ends up going down. All right, let's check out the odds that cash for this matchup. The favorites were 11 and 0 on this card up until the main event where Taporia spoils the sweep from the favorites by cashing as a plus 110 underdog by knockout plus 350 round two plus 1000 round two knockout plus 1600 and then the under three and a half caches at plus 100 i'm still in awe i'm, I'm gonna be honest it took me a while to really gather myself to put this uh last uh, last piece together for this uh for the show tremendous uh, again i'm I'm happy for Toporia. I've I've watched this guy come up for a while and I've been trying to tell people about him for a while and then Volkanovski as well. I've I've been a big fan of his as well. So this was kind of bittersweet no matter which way I ended up going, right? With if Volkanovski were to have won, we knew Toporia was still young enough to come back, build his way back up to a featherweight title shot and eventually get it. But for him to get it at 27 years old, the sky is the limit for the kid. So great performance for him, great work um all around. All right, let's put a bow on this uh this segment show i still don't know what to call it uh knockout there were four knockouts on the night one submission on the night and seven de decisions favorites went 11 and one again the only underdog to come through is in the championship bout and then the performer of the night i wanted to give it to Tapori. obviously you know high stakes it's the the pinnacle of the sport you finally achieve the 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 title you win the title but you know losing the first round competitive first round i wanted to talk about um a guy that was up against it a little bit i wanted to give it to robert whitaker now i know he probably lost that first round on a lot of people's scorecards but the fact that he went out there against a power puncher showcased a durability showcased his chin and still the ability to battle back from that adversity in rounds two and three and showcase his championship medal once again i thought i gotta give the performer of the night to robert whitaker here again a lot of people expected him well 
again, he was a big favorite going into this matchup, but a lot of people questioned his ability to uh, to eat the damage of Costa. And I know a lot of people that were suspecting Whitaker to use his underrated wrestling to try to stay away from the big power of Costa. But he was happy to throw down in the pocket. He was happy to crash the puck. He eat some shots, but he was able to dish out more damage in return. That's why he's my performer of the night. Keep an eye on Whitaker, and I wouldn't be surprised if he finds himself in a number one contender fight next time around or finds himself fighting for the title once again at the ending of the year. Who is your performer of the night? I understand if it's going to be Ilya Teporia. Completely makes sense. Drop a comment below. Let me know how you guys did on the night as well. Myself, I think I scraped out some uh, decent official track profit. Pretty big up on the night as a lot of my uh, night was tied to Marab, uh, Barlow, and... Um, and Hernandez had them in a bunch of parlays, had their props and all that stuff. So I did very well unofficially, but officially as well up on the night. Thanks to a lot of solid performances all around. Let me know how you guys did. Until next time, I will see you guys on Monday as we break down the next UFC card, UFC Mexico City, headlined by Brandon Moreno and Brandon Royval. We also have a five-round co-main event fight between Brian Ortega and Yair Rodriguez. And also next week, PFL versus Bellator Championship Edition. Even though there's only two champ versus champ fights, still a decent card to look forward to. Plus a ton of other regional shows that I'll be breaking down strictly on the Patreon page next week gonna be hella busy so i'm gonna get right down to work appreciate all the love appreciate all the support i'll see you guys on monday peace